Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Style Guides podcast. My name is Brad Frost. I'm Anna Debenham. And today we are absolutely thrilled to have with us Mina Markham. Woo! Hi! <laughs> hey! Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for asking me. This was great. Yeah, so, so to sort of set the stage a little bit, we are dusting off this this podcast to talk about sort of where design systems and pattern libraries and style guides have evolved to uh, since the, the first time we started chatting to different people. And you just have uh, a wealth of, of experience and knowledge. You've been doing a, a bunch of great work uh, on the topic of design systems, including a, a giant, uh, <laughs> giant, uh, highly visible design system for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, so, so we're just like thrilled to have you on to, to talk about that. But you're also at Slack now, correct? Yes, I am. I've been there about three months now. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. And you're the front-end developer, is that right? Uh, yeah, I'm a senior engineer there um, working on the marketing team, um, doing some similar work to what I was doing for the Clinton campaign. So yeah, it's, it's been great. <laughs> so design systems are so hot right now. <laughs> Very hot. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so yeah, so I I don't know where we want to begin, but it you know so pantsy so, pantsy yeah you had this <laughs> you had this huge opportunity to create a design system called pantsuit for the the Clinton campaign. So do you want to talk about sort of the genesis of all of that and sort of how that all came to be? Why did you decide to create a design system? Like, did you think of that at the offset or, or you know, right, right out of the gate or did that come later? Or just, I, I'd love to hear like, just sort of what's the beginning of all that? How did that happen? Sure. Okay. So um, to set the scene a little bit, um, I was the first engineer that was hired on the tech team. Um, I was actually like the fourth one in the office because I had to move from Austin where I was living to Brooklyn. So it took me a while to get there. Yeah. Um, by the time I was in the office, we had um, our director of front end, Kyle Rush, there and uh, th three under front end engineers and a few back end engineers as well. And around like maybe the second week of me being in the office, he um, approached me, he being Kyle, and was like, we need this bootstrap or like this pattern library. And uh, I think you might be a good person to do that or do you think it's something you can take on and I immediately said yes because I actually had been thinking about that in my head as well like trying to figure out how to broach the topic and how to like bring up like I want to do this thing because I think it would be beneficial for us but luckily like it was already on his mind and it was something he really wanted to do so I was lucky in the sense that I didn't need to like try to get any buy-in because it was already there mm. So, um, yeah, like that, I, I was kind of preparing in my head to like try to like convince people and I kind of got like just this gift <laughs> of like, we need you to do it. Please do it. I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted to do. This is great. <laughs> that's perfect. And, and, and what were, I guess like what were the underlying reasons? Like I, it, it sounded like there was already consensus, but like what were some of the things that you were anticipating having to, to deal with, uh, in, in uh, building this thing? Sure. 
Uh, mainly just, uh, I didn't, I had no way of knowing like what the velocity would be like at the time. Cause I'd never done anything like this before, but hmm. I knew enough to know that we were going to be hiring a lot of people very quickly. We were going to be moving very quickly. And it seemed to me that we needed some kind of system or some kind of like a uh, guide in place so that people could like build, uh, apps and web pages that were all very cons- visually consistent and on brand. Um, also, like at the time I was hired, the site that we had was it. It w- the first version of the site was kind of very inconsistent, a bunch of different places, and so like me just looking at it and going through different pages, I was seeing the visual inconsistencies on it, and I wanted to figure out a way to like address it and solve it. So I started doing, um, well, I started doing it officially after I was given the okay to do this project. But in my head, I was doing like a visual like UI inventory. I'm like, okay, we have like 10 different kinds of buttons. We have all these different kind of blues, all these different kind of like icons. And so I was seeing all of this, like this differentiation of the, the differentiation between like, elements and wanting to figure out how can we fix this so you didn't kind of start out with a blank slate is that right um no yeah the first version of pantsuit i built because i built built two separate versions in my time there the first one was based on the site as it existed when the campaign launched Mm -hmm. and the goal of the first version of it was a complete rewrite of the underlying code for maintainability for modularity and for like being able to build things and iterate quickly but I couldn't change anything visually like it was a very it was like one of the key points was that I couldn't do any visual changes because we wanted a one-to-one UI parity for the sake of like A-B testing so Mm. my first goal was to rewrite everything while changing nothing and um that that took a lot of like um it's a little frustrating on my end, mainly because the reason I wanted to do it was to fix the inconsistencies. And then I was told I couldn't do it oh. because it had its, it, everything had to be exactly the way it already was. So then we could then start testing things, iterating and making improvements. But the very first thing I had to do was just don't change anything. Just make the code easier to work with. Yeah. Um, and Were yeah, you not that... just tempted to tweak a bit of line height here and there? I mean, I think I snuck in some changes here and there. Like mainly, <laughs> mainly they were concerned with like anything that would be like that would potentially skew our like our, f- our first few tests. They wanted the first test to be just testing to make sure the code base was fine and didn't like have any detrimental effects to. Um, user to these sites so I think I snuck in a few things here and there like maybe I got rid of a couple of unnecessary blue blue colors or something but like for the most part I was very much like one-to-one nothing changed yeah that's a it's a really in in sort of my own work I found that that challenge happen as well where it's there is a frustrating part to generating a design system and sort of rolling it out it's like we want this sort of we want the benefits of the thing we want the system for the for the benefits it provides the consistency the maintainability all that but at the same time especially in you know it's like the airplane is flying like we can't just totally rearrange a bunch of things like on the fly like so how do you actually roll it out in a way that 
that isn't going to break everything is because because those days like never come you know what i mean where it's like oh once we once we just do these 70 things then we can address the inconsistencies like that that's what like leads to those inconsistent or stagnant experiences in the first place so so how did that how did you end up between that so so the first version was was based on sort of the existing ui how mm-hmm. did that sort of second version come to be? Did they finally go, okay, we need to, we need to sort of do an overhaul and, or, or how did, how did that all go down? Well, there was an effort to completely redesign all of the, the HillaryClinton.com like properties and applications. So in conjunction with completely redoing the visual look of the site and we rebuilt everything like code wise, visually wise, like everything was redone. And, that process, a new version of Pansu was obviously needed because it needed to match what the redesign was going to be. Mm. And so um, I took that moment to basically rewrite Pansu again uh, entirely and to kind of change some of the architecture for things that I was noticing weren't quite working the way I thought they would or um, from feedback I got from the other engineers about how they were using it. So I took the opportunity when I had to visually change Pantsuit to match the redesign to also like change the architecture as well. How did you kind of um, switch from one platform to the other? Um, We had, uh, there was the one repo. And so I basically like there was, while everything was in development, I had the master branch and everyone was, everyone was using that code and pointing to uh to build sites as we were continuing to like develop the new the new project but um yeah we had uh i just used like a different branch to like write my code that way and Mm. um as we were the team who was doing the redesign we uh worked we for one we worked off of like let me back up. Pantsuit itself, <laughs> like, itself was like a completely different, like separate project and repo from all the other sites that were consuming it. So what I did was I would build things, the fundamental, like the foundational stuff inside of the Pantsuit, like project, the repo itself, mm-hmm. import that. I would import that into the redesign project that the entire team was working on. And as I would um, build the interface, like build the actual web pages, the interfaces, I would either, uh, if I started building it inside the, pro- like the project itself, I would then uh, copy that and port it over to the Pantsuit repo, commit it, add it up, bump the version, and we would then re-import that new version in the uh, the redesigned uh, site repo. So it was a lot of like, kind of like a secular, uh, circular kind of process where mm-hmm. sometimes I would iterate on the UI inside the Pantsuit like, project itself if I was working like directly with uh working directly like inside of the particular components or if I was working in a larger interface and was making tweaks to the larger interface that I thought should be ported back into the library I would then move from the in, from the product to the the system so it was it felt at the time that was kind of like a more of a fluid sort of like design in the browser type situation because yeah. after I got like the, the very the fundamental stuff I did separate inside of the pantsuit like project itself but after that all the iterations tended to be like in the browser having a like indirect like conversation with our web designer and kind of like building things on the fly and then pouring them back over into the system. That's that's fantastic, and I, I I found that it as like a huge tripping up point for a lot of organizations and stuff. Where it's like, 
where do you, where does this work happen? So like if you have a system and it sounds like the the pantsuit sort of repo itself is like a standalone thing and then the actual sort of site would consume that as sort of like a dependency. Is that is that the Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so so then it becomes this okay, so if we're if the users of the, the the consumers of the design system are working on something and they're using a component and it gets them like ninety percent of the way there, for instance, you know, it's like you have a card, but then you need a card that can be dismissed, so you need like a little X arrow in the upper right corner or something. It's like where where does that work happen? Like who, who initiates that mm-hmm. work? Who actually executes that work? Where does that? code live where does that design live and how does it make its way into the into the final application so it's do i have this right that it's like sometimes you you felt that something like that might might be better initiated within pantsuit within the system itself but then other times if you're like riffing with the actual team or whatever it's like let's just do this and then you'll sort of extract the the general pattern after the fact is that yeah, that sounds about right. Like um, when I built the the second version, initially I built every the everything uh, the foundational stuff like the CSS architecture and the organizational structure. I built all of that separate in the in its own pantsuit repo, and then as the designer was iterating on the the website, like because that's the project that pantsuit was was built for and was the main one consuming it mm-hmm. as he would iterate on the UI for the site. Um, either he and I would sit down and decide like, okay, this, do, you, do we think that this would be beneficial outside of this context? And if it was, I would then port it back over into the Pansu library. If it wasn't, then it just stayed inside the website, uh, the main website project itself as like an additional uh, CSS file. Mm. So it, it was a lot of like, First, it was me and our uh, design lead kind of deciding if we could foresee a use case for any particular component outside of the the context he designed it in. And if we could, then I would go back and port it. After the site became live and more people started using the Pantsuit system, we, I would start having um, weekly sessions with not just me and our lead, uh, Victor, but also the other designers and engineers who were using Pantsuit, designing with it, and say, have you guys been working on anything that you think should be in the library? And if it, they have, then they and I would like talk about it and figure out the best way to get that into the library itself. Cool. So, so you're sort of serving as like the point person sort of that, that has this sort of bird's eye perspective over the whole system. But it, it sounds like there were multiple design teams that were actually sort of in the weeds consuming the, the design system, but also sort of using it, massaging it and, and sort of, you know, making changes to it. And then you're sort of serving as the liaison between like the, the system and, and the end product. Yeah, that that's a good way to put it. Like the way I would describe my job to other people was that I was like the translator between engineering <laughs> and design. Yeah, and that's so, awesome. Uh, and so, like people tended to come to me to like figure out uh, like anything to do with like the visual, like the UI, decide to figure out the best for one, the best place for it. Sometimes, like the best approach and how they should like how they should create it, how how it should be implemented. So I kind of became like this this like hybrid straddling in a couple of different worlds that sounds fantastic yeah. and how did you how did you kind of um decide whether a component should go into pantsuit or not 
And did you ever have to kind of push back and say, no, actually, I don't think this is going to be used elsewhere? Um, I don't think I ever had to push back. We were kind of con- conservative in the sense of what we put into Pansu. We we really kept the library itself pretty light because we didn't want like the extra like CS. Because when you when you got when you consumed Pansu, you got the entire library. There wasn't like mm. any kind of modular aspects that you couldn't pick and choose which components it was just because of the way our our build process works. So yeah. for that reason, I kept the library pretty intentionally light because I didn't want like a lot of like extra CSS being served to people who didn't need it. So um, it, it was kind of rare that something got added to the library uh, after the first initial couple of iterations of it. Uh, I think one instance of something being added was we added a uh, pagination mm. uh, that, w- that was being used for, I built it for the blog and I think we had like some other like project that was needed to have like to, to paginate some p- different pages. And so I thought, okay, well, since I already have this thing built, I'll just stick it inside Pantsuit and you guys are already consuming a Pantsuit so that way you can get it you can go ahead and get it for free. Um, so, but yeah, I pretty intentionally didn't add a lot of things to the library because it just, I didn't see the benefit of like adding on a lot of like extra code for what might end up being a two projects working on uh, yeah. who would need this particular component. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I guess the answer to the question is like, I really tried to see, was there more than a couple of use cases that, we see this being used for. If we only think of like one or two, then maybe we should just do it one off in each individual project and be done with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a, that's that that there's a friction there with with a lot of design system stuff where it's like, how comprehensive do you want this to be versus like how how sort of digestible, but also obviously performance and stuff is a, is a big sort of factor as well. So it's like, do you want it to be complete or do you want it to be you know something that people can get their heads around and and it is fascinating whenever you have a system that you could hypothetically have hundreds and hundreds of of components in there and they might all actually serve a purpose but especially if that stuff's just getting sort of bundled up into one thing you know you are looking at potentially you know bloating the whole experience with stuff that might not actually be getting a lot of use so uh, that's fascinating. So, so I'd love to hear more just because, so Pantsuit, you're saying that sort of like HillaryClinton.com was like the primary product that's, that's consuming Pantsuit, but even that is, I'm sure just made up of, of tons and tons of of sort of smaller things. So (laughs) could you speak to like the different sort of products and like sort of what it, there's a blog, but I'm sure that there's also more like interactive things and stuff. So like, yeah. could you, could you talk about like how that influenced like the, the creation of the components and which cre- components got created and stuff like that? Sure. So yeah, um, I built Pantsuit for, when I say HillaryClinton.com, what I was, what I meant was all of the content driven pages. That was the mm. first consumer of the site. Um, so it was the homepage, uh, the biographies, uh, issues pages, the blog, uh, states, uh, state specific pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything that had a lot of heavy content, that was the first uh, product that consumed it. And then um, we had other, uh, we had other like separate projects that were like the donations platform, the events platform, sign up platform, um, these one off like special uh 
special projects like the uh, the, ro- the roulette game we had where it was a side-by-side comparison of where uh, Hillary and Trump were doing in any particular year. So we had like those one-off type fun projects. Uh, they were all under the umbrella of HillaryClinton.com, but they were all like separate products that were ran by separate teams within the tech team itself. Mm. And they all in some form used Pantsuit as a foundation. That's hmm. awesome. Did did they know to to reach for that first, or like did like did you have to come in at like the beginning of these projects and be like, hey, everybody, there's this thing, or like how did I guess like how was the discovery of pantsuit like across the across the whole campaign? Like where where did that stuff live, or like did people just sort of know about it? Like how did you market it? I guess is a, how did so I market a weird it? way to um, put it. Yeah, no, it's cool. That's fine. Um, I, for one, I, I built a documentation site that I felt was pretty comprehensive so that people knew what it was and how to use it. And then whenever I made updates to the library, whenever I bumped the version or add new components, I created this automated Slack hook that would ping our main tech channel to let people know, hey, there's an update to Pansu. You can look at Ooh. the you can look at the code here. You can look at the docs here. So every time something new happened, people were made aware and it was still on the onus was still on them to either upgrade their version of Pansuit in their in their project or whatever but uh i made the the marketing of it after the initial reveal where i just told people about it that it was a thing that existed every yeah. time an update happened i made that kind of an automated thing so that people just like oh hey look the the pantsuit bot told me there's a new version of pantsuit i should go look at <laughs> <That's it." super. laughs> yeah I, I think i'm gonna steal that idea <laughs> yeah um but also we um, all of our new projects started from this boilerplate that one of our front end architects made and that automatically just included pantsuit so people kind of already had it when they started their project if they use if they use the boilerplate that was provided for them so um after like the first like big reveal everything kind of happened kind of automatically like people just had it and they knew where to go look for information on how to use it that's that's fantastic and i'd say that that's the dream like because a lot of a lot of organizations especially ones that are just like running like wildly different things and stuff like to, to have like the the boilerplate like starting point that already gets you it's like hey everything's all wired up like all you need to do is you know drop in your content or like reach for the right components or whatever like getting taking them it was that boilerplate like a little further along than just like here's a bunch of components you could use but like here's them actually like starting to get stitched together or or was it something more like in the the back end side of things it was kind of a blank slate. Like it literally just included the dependency for Pansu. It didn't include any kind of like co- uh, any kind of like components per se. Yeah. But the like documentation here's a header footer is just yeah. like, just like white page. Okay. It was just white page. But the uh, the documentation I actually did put a bunch of different template like examples. Like here's a fully formed header. So people could have gone to the docs and saw like various templates of a sticky header versus like a uh, like a normal header or a footer and just taking the code from there. But yeah, the boilerplate itself didn't do that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So Taka, so, so you built this whole like a, a style guide or like a, a sort of you know documentation hub for for pantsuit. Like, how did all that work 
with the workflow of actually like creating the components, rolling them out and communicating them. Like how did, how did you sort of wrangle all that? Like, could you talk about like the, the tools and the process? Like when this is something that comes up a lot in my own work is like, sort of like, when does documentation get written? Like, where does it get written? Like who are, who's the audience for it and stuff like that. Can you, can you talk about that? Cause that's something that I feel like, just blows up a lot of organizations it's like <laughs> uh documentation is like sort of boring and not, yeah yeah <laughs> okay i mean i think i'm kind of weird because i love documentation Yay! <laughs> i i like writing it but um i guess that's that i'm the minority in that sense but I'm, i used um kss node mm. um and I included that inside the uh, the Panzer repo. That along with um, Assemble, uh, this uh, templating, a static site generator templating language, mm -hmm. uh, used those two in conjunction to build out documentation or just the documentation site slash the style guide. So with KSS Node, the the actual documentation all took it took place inside the component files themselves in uh, in comments. So I would use a bunch of silent comments to document the code right above the right above the component um, in its own SAS file. Mm. Um, I love so it, I love KSS for that just because it's it's all there. Like you don't yeah. have to go to a different file. It's not in a README. It's all right there with yeah. with the SAS. And I, I know that I feel like some people in some of the engineers who were using Pansu would have just went straight to the code itself and saw and looked at the documentation there because all the docs, like they were, it was literally inside the code base. So you didn't actually have to go to the, to the site to read the docs if you didn't want to. Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, I put like every, every piece of code was, uh, I was, I documented it inside of its own um, component file. But for some of the more larger like pages that we're talking about um, are uh, CSS coding standards or things like that. Like yeah. I, uh, inside of the the pantsuit repo itself, not just they didn't just include the the code for the, the framework, but it also included all of the pages for the documentation. So using uh, the struct the site generator from uh, Assemble, I created individual HTML files that wrote all, that where I put all of the um, the more like content heavy like documentation like yeah. how to use our our color palettes and guidelines things like that yeah. so those two things combined um kss node helped with like documenting the components themselves but the larger like overall documentation was handled by uh uh HTML. uh i guess it was actually with handlebars files but yeah, handlebars yeah. files for yeah. um for uh assemble and the snippets to actually show the living examples of the components, those were like individual HTML files uh, that I put inside of like this folder in the Pantsuit repo called Snippets. And I would link to that HTML file in the uh, CSS, uh, KSS node comments. So KSS node had this really great ability to, if you tell it what HTML file to look for a code example, it'll render it inside the, on the page itself. So that was how I handled that's how I handled that part. The only downside to that is it meant that I had to like go to a separate place to like update the markup if I needed to, but yeah. it wasn't mm -hmm. that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's something that we've sort of juggled around on different projects and stuff as well. And I, I just released something called the style guide guide, which sort of does something mm -hmm. similar where it's like, you're able to just sort of chuck your, your sort of, yeah, like rendered complete like HTML components. And we sort of, 
we we ended up writing like a Grunner gulp task that would just sort of automatically populate that directory. But that's like what the style guide is actually pointing to and looking at, and we'll like sort of pull those into an iframe or whatever. Uh, and that that seems to be. I feel like a really solid way where it's like you have this isolated component, you're able to view it in the browser, you're able to interact with it, see all the different variations and all that good stuff, but then also like sort of see that in the context of, of yeah, like the written documentation and stuff. So that's, that's awesome. I, I love hearing that there's sort of a few different flavors of documentation. I think this is something that I've also seen like as over the years, as these things have started to, you know, this thinking has started to get more sophisticated. We're realizing that, yeah, like certain kinds of comments and certain kinds of documentation, like code documentation makes, can make a whole lot of sense to do in the context of something like KSS and writing it right alongside the code uh, and having that stuff travel together. But then there are these like other really important pieces of documentation, things like, yeah, like color guidelines or, or basic UX, like best practices and stuff like that, that should be more accessible in to, to like non-developers and stuff. And that was always sort of my weirdness with, with KSS and stuff. But now I, I, I think that it sounds like you hit a sweet spot, right? Where it's like you're able to do like the technical documentation in a place where it makes sense to do the technical documentation, but then sort of do the other stuff somewhere else. But it, it all sort of lives side by side a bit. Yeah. The, the, the first version, that was a lesson I learned from the first version. Because the first version of Pantsuit, I tried to do all the docs in KSS. And it just, for the... I hit a really weird spot trying to document all the the color variables because I wanted to actually like show the colors rendered on the screen and mm. I ended up ended up writing like this huge comment because I was writing the markup in the comment itself. Mm. And anyway, it just I've got really yeah, it got really like weird and like wasn't particularly like maintainable. So for the second version, when I was able to like not just redo the library but redo everything, as I had. Um, I talked to our, our main front end architect and I asked him to build me this this build system that would allow me to do like to render this this site, but also to render these uh, the KSS node comments as well. And he came up with using that in conjunction with using the assemble site generator to kind of solve this problem for me. So you talked uh, a little earlier about um, A/B testing. Did Pantsuit help at all with that? Um, we didn't really test uh, pantsuit itself uh, per se. I don't. Really, I, I don't think that it helped in the sense of like more like uh, components. With the actual, you know? Yeah, with the uh, testing component things like that. Like people did that on their own. It was in their own particular like product. So pantsuit was kind of like it helped when they needed to build something quickly for like a new a new test or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it. I don't. Pantsuit itself didn't really get. Didn't we didn't test it and we didn't. Um, it didn't really give a good, like, found, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It didn't really give, like, good guidelines on how you should test, like, components. Um, yeah. I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, if I actually had it my way, I, we would have done more of, like, regression testing on Pantsuit. Mm. But given, like, the time frame we had, the resources, like, that didn't really, that didn't pan out so much. But, um, yeah, one of my dreams was to do, like, visual regression tests, not just on, like, uh, the site, but also on the, the Pantsuit, like, product itself because I needed to know if I inadvertently like broke something so yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I love so, visual yeah. regression testing for that. Yeah. Yeah, Anna, you've been you've been doing a bit of that work, right? Yeah, it it took a while, um, but <laughs> <laughs> got there in the end. Very happy with it. So, yeah. so I guess like for for the uninitiated, and I sort of count myself as someone who sort of has like an opaque sort of mm-hmm. high level knowledge of that. So, what you're talking about is like if you were to make a change to any given component, you'd be able to sort of run it through build process, and it would like spit out a like a visual screenshot of like here's the present and here's what we what we just changed and sort of like onion layer or like sort of like lay them side by side and be like hey here's exactly what changed whenever you made the padding on this button three times as big or something yeah something like that like it um Micah Gabo, I know he does a lot of like talks about this, but yeah. ideally what I wanted was either some kind of overlay for like a diff of what changed, um, if anything changed, or maybe like a gif to kind of show before and after, but it would only spit that out for something that did change. So like yeah. if I changed the color of a button and it the only diff it shows the diff it shows me was that button changed, and I'd be like, okay, fine, that's exactly what I wanted. But if I get like if it spits out a bunch of other stuff that also changed that I didn't intend to change. And I'd be like, okay, wait, something went horribly wrong. Let me go back and let me go back and figure out what I did. Um, And um, in absence of being able to do that automatically, I did that sort of manually. And I was like, I had to be very careful just because the, well, I guess I take it back. I didn't have to be like that careful because Pantsuit was versioned and every project was using a particular version of pantsuit so it wasn't like if i created if i committed a mistake and pushed it up live like it would automatically break everything because it wouldn't people actually had mm-hmm. to opt into the change i made so right. it in that case like it was safeguarded from like from re- immediately breaking anything but it still would it would with if unless i was like pretty di- digi- uh, diligent about you know, checking like every instance of something there was the potential that something could break. And that's why I wanted the, the visual aggression test to kind of give me a, a safe, like a, make me feel like a little, a little bit better about uh, making these widespread changes. Um, I didn't do it very often, but it, that would have made me feel a little bit more confident in it if I had like that additional layer to check. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about sort of the, the deployment you're talking about how, each individual product is sort of consuming a specific version of, mm-hmm. of pantsuit. How mm-hmm. was that just like pantsuit dash two dot one dot CSS and stuff? And like in order to get the two dot two, you would just bump up the, the version number in the when linking to a CSS file, or was it something more sophisticated like like an NPM? Like an NPM module thing, yeah. Um it was both, depending on what product you were talking about uh Mm. there were three different ways that people would consume pantsuit there was the manual way which they would just take the source code and include the sas files into their own project um only one product did that and um it was the donations platform and they did it because that was like the best way to keep the code base down um there was the uh we had compiled versions of the css like uh just the compiled css in version numbers up on our CDN 
and some people pointed to those uh, compiled uh, files, and those were that was mainly done by our um, our any kind of back end applications that didn't have a front end build process associated with it, mm. but still needed to have like a a UI layer um, attached to it. So um, there was that ver- there was that way to consume it, and in that case, people would just like change their source code to link to like a different version of the CSS file. Mm. Um, the main way people did it was through npm modules, and if they wanted to bump up the the version of Pansuit, they would change the number in their package.json, and then it would just be the new version would be bundled up into their larger CSS file and served that way. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's another thing where it sounds like you, you sort of like hit a sweet spot for for different audiences. So it sounds like the the sort of oh yeah, I'm just a back end developer. I just you know, need to crank this out really quick, and I I need a UI. That's all sort of you have that sort of crude but effective way of of getting pantsuit into their projects. But for the more sophisticated ones that that have dedicated sort of front end resources, like they're still able to use it, but in in maybe a more sophisticated way. Uh, that's really cool because again, that's just like stuff that people struggle with, and it's just some things seem really blunt, and other things seem to invo- involved. And so it's sort of cool that you are able to set it up where it's like, oh yeah, you can do it this easy way, or you could do the sort of advanced mode or whatever as well. Yeah, and the, the those last those two of the versions, like um, the compile CSS and doing it manually, those were both added later based on the feedback I got from several different people because the, the very first way in the, you could consume Pansu, the only way to do it was through the NPN modules. That was how mm. it started out. And as I started like hearing more from like people who were trying to use it but like couldn't get it to work in their project, I realized that there we needed to have the compiled CSS version up there um, to handle that particular use case of our our backend engineer who didn't have a front end resource but needed to build this thing and wanted it to look good and wanted it to like be on brand but like didn't have the capacity to do that and so I like clearly this we need a different way to consume this project so mm. yeah I got a lot of like. Like just talking to a lot of the different engineers to see like how they wanted to use this thing really helped me to like iterate on the workflows and the process and the the uh, the way that I was presenting the project. I guess. Yeah, you're you're going to them. You're you're working with the way that they're comfortable working rather than imposing some foreign sort of external sort of thing that they might be uncomfortable or unfamiliar with. So like that, th- I think that that's awesome. And obviously it helps to talk to people. to learn that stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Strangely enough, talking to people <laughs> is a good idea. What a weird concept. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so now that you're at Slack, like, so, and you could just bro- sort of broadly speak to this, but like, like, what are you excited about? Like, in, with respect to design systems, and like having come off of what sounds like this just tremendous opportunity to to sort of, you know, build and iterate over over a system. Like now that you're in a new role at a at a new place, like what what are you most excited about to to sink your teeth into at, at Slack? Um, I really am interested in seeing design systems on like a larger scale, like enterprise level scale. Cause mm. building pantsuit was an amazing experience, but it was like kind of a unique experience. Like it was building it in for one, building it on your, on my own, which was a strange like learning curve for me, but also <laughs> like 
working with like a large team of people to kind of figure out how to best make this system work in like various different situations that I couldn't even like begin to think of. Um, the first, the pantsuit was like, it was for HillaryClinton.com, but it was still very much like a, like most of it was still very much for like, it was a very content driven, like very like, uh, it wasn't like a lot of like web application stuff right. inside of pantsuit. I guess is the best right. way to put it. Like it, it was very much like, web pages like maybe single page app but like not a lot of like really intense like product like web app uh yeah uh, so i, I want to be able to like apply figure out how to apply like what i know about design systems and pattern libraries to an actual like web application that not just doesn't just have like a web like a web app but also like ios apps and android apps like i want to be able yeah. to like figure out how to make how this works in like a a larger like cross-platform product yeah. Which uh, other people have like started uh, figuring this out. Like Salesforce is a great example of figuring out how to yeah. do this. Mm. But like being able to, I kind of want to figure out like how I would like to approach something like that. Yeah. Oh, I have so many more questions to ask you, but <laughs> we're we're kind of oh. running out of time. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, it was really great having you on the show and um i hope we can get you back maybe in a year's time and then you can tell us how you figured out how to how to kind of <laughs> oh. do all this stuff around uh all these different mediums and uh like the app and phones and um because i i want to i want to find out that too <laughs> yeah. yeah well uh, yeah hopefully <laughs> uh that's awesome well well thank you so much for your time and and thank you for you know sharing everything that went into to pantsuit and and you know you could even sort of check out so some of the code and stuff itself and you know you've written up about some of the tools and stuff that you use so so thanks so much for all those contributions to the community because this is what you know makes this stuff evolve <laughs> and so so it's really awesome uh that that you're putting yourself out there and putting your thoughts out there so so keep that up and yeah again we're looking forward to keeping on learning from you so uh, thanks again for, for being on the show and I guess uh, thanks everybody else for, for listening and until next time we'll, we'll see you later thanks bye bye, bye.